is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's the weekend. Mulberry Lane here. It's Allie with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo, and it's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Well, we're so glad you're here. Get ready to roll, because here are the guests. The Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're going to have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Okay, up first today, you're going to hear from this guy. So bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. The iconic singer-songwriter behind that song joins your weekend. Yes, Don McLean is here. Of course you know American Pie, but you also know Don by these hits. Starry, starry night. Paint your palette blue and gray Look out on a summer's day With eyes that know the darkness in my soul And this one And I love you so The people ask me how How I've lived till now I tell them I don't know And can't forget this one And if she asks you why You can tell her that I told you That I'm tired of castles in the air I've got a dream I want the world to share in castle walls Just lead me to despair Yes, you're going to get up close and personal and in-depth with music icon Don McLean today. You're going to hear some golden nuggets of recording stories, including American Pie. He talks about all of the effort he put into working on his tone of both his guitar and his voice, and why he still gives his all for every performance. There's a lot of really good tips in here for musicians and songwriters, and a lot of really great stories for just music lovers in general. Yes. So we're really excited about sharing this with you today. Okay, Allie, let him know who else is on the show today. Okay, well then, he's the former official red carpet greeter for the Academy Awards. He oversaw all Oscar coverage for Entertainment Weekly and has been a regular contributor on E! Extra and the Today Show. Hang out with Dave Carger today. You'll be in the know for everything Oscar. He's one of the hosts of TCM's 31 Days of Oscar, and you're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at the series, what you can learn, and what to look forward to at this year's Academy Awards. Woo! Well, the weather around here has been less than desirable. Hopefully you guys were safe through these off and on days of snow and ice. And Allie, I understand you had a little bit of an incident. Yes, it was last Monday and we were actually meeting some friends to celebrate Chinese New Year because we really like to celebrate those special days to honor my daughter Clover's heritage. So we were headed to a Chinese restaurant and I was at the Mulberry Lane Studios and I just hit a patch of ice. My car completely turned sideways down the drive driveway and I ended up like colliding with a wall but very gently 
and then I was stuck and I couldn't go forward and it was just a crazy predicament. My husband was out of town and Rachel, the second person I thought of calling was you, but I knew that you would just come and get stuck too. I'd probably crash right into you. <laughs> would have been a blonde party. <laughs> so I called my parents and it was awesome because dad was like, I'm going to see if Fred, my lawn guy, happens to be in the area. So he called Fred. Fred was, get this, five minutes away. So Fred comes up the driveway and puts like sand and salt all around my tires and gives me enough traction to get out of there, but not before he said, are you in four-wheel drive? And I have forgotten to put myself in four-wheel drive. (laughs) But it was ice, not snow. So I was like, well, that might have not made a difference. But anyway, it certainly made a difference with the sand and salt around me. So So I put it in four-wheel drive and I was only, what, 20 minutes late to lunch? But we did celebrate Chinese New Year. We had dim sum and egg drop soup. And my kids got little red envelopes with Chinese money in it from their Mandarin teacher. And it was a awesome celebration. You had an exciting start to the Chinese New Year. The year of the dog. All right. And we've got an exciting start to this show. Stay right there. When we come back, you're going to hear from legendary singer-songwriter Don McLean. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. That's right. Meet the celebrities on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, his iconic song, American Pie, was recently added by the Library of Congress to the Recording Registry of 2016. The song was also named one of the top five songs of the 20th century and was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Guys, we are starry, starry-eyed right now. Don McLean is here. Welcome Welcome to the show, Don McLean. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, you're out of Omaha, is that correct? Yes, that is true. I'm quite a fan of Omaha, Nebraska. A little-known place. There's a lot of big corporations and anything else there. Yes, it's a gem of a place, for sure. Uh Uh-huh. Now, from your first public performance in front of your school classmates to now, You've really been able to captivate audiences with your lyrics, your voice, and your songs. That's not done the way you do it very often. So what is your secret? I practiced a lot when I was young, and I worked very hard at tone. The tone of my guitar, the tone of the banjo, the tone of my voice. Tone is very, very important. And then the blending of guitar and voice. And it took hours every day of vocalizing and practicing and very, very much interested in, in the tone of the guitar. So what did you, you know, look for? You want to build your voice. Your voice is a muscle. You can add notes to the top of your register. You can add notes to the middle of your register to make them stronger and add lower notes okay. as well. It takes work to do that, but you have a muscle that if you don't overdo it, you have to rest your voice. So now were these things you were taught by a vocal coach or were these things that you just discovered on your own? Well, I would read a lot, you know. I would read stories about singers. I would read stories about Frank Sinatra. I like the way he sang. I like his dynamic. He say the same thing, you know, that you have to warm the voice up and you can't be yelling. And when I go on a tour, one of these tours of the U.K. or of Europe, I spent a lot of time asleep in the bus. Okay. Just saving my voice because I'm there to work, not to sightsee. Okay. 
So you keep in business and take care of your instrument, basically. Yeah, and you know you have a lot of muscles that come from around your neck that control your voice box, and if you stretch those, you won't have any volume in your voice. I, I work with Judy Collins sometimes, and I think she's 76 now, and she sings beautifully every mm -hmm. night, and she takes care of it, you know. Uh -huh. She doesn't smoke. I like to drink once in a while, so, you know. But... <laughs> you gotta do it every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you just joined us, you're listening to singer-songwriter Don McLean here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, I read you are a word lover. You love language. So how much do you labor over words when you're writing? You know... A lot of times, if you write a line in a song, and it's just kind of laying there to connect with another line, you're better off getting rid of it and figuring out what you want to say. When you get rid of a, of a weak line in the song, okay. and you figure out something that's really good, it'll change the whole perspective of the song, because now all of a sudden you figured out what you really wanted to say, but you couldn't quite do it, so you're putting in these BS kind of lines in there to kind of make it to the next line, right. and you weren't repaying what you had on your mind. Another thing I found is when you sing a new song on stage, it changes the whole night. Suddenly you see the other songs differently. You know, it just changed the complexion of the whole show. I don't know why that is, but maybe it's just me. But that's and it keeps it fresh, probably. Yes, and it wakes you up. You start thinking about what you're saying. When you are on stage, when you're singing a song, I mean, I love Tom Jones. I think Tom Jones is a very nice person, and he's a great singer. But I couldn't sing What's New Pussycat. Right. I couldn't do it. You know, it's a hit song and a song that he has to sing every night, and it wouldn't mean anything to me. You know? So it has and to move you. One of the things that I set out to do in my own way, and I don't have a kind of vesuvius of creativity like, a, you know, Bob Dylan has or some people seem to have. Bruce Springsteen seems to come out with this stuff. I don't have that. I'm very thoughtful about what I do. and, and Not that they're not thoughtful, but I think about the concept of the song, and then I want to try to write new lyrics for the song that are different from other lyrics that I've written. So you're very <laughs> intentional with your word yeah, choices. Yeah, you're totally intentional. I'm creating a whole new picture. Uh -huh. Do you write in pictures? I am a visual kind of writer, but what I tell people I try to do is if I have a feeling inside of me about something. You, you can write a song about a baby, but if you're W.C. Fields, you know, you don't like babies. So, <laughs> you know, that depends on the individual. So then you've got to figure out what's the feeling that you get from the baby. And once that is in you, then you want to try to find a way of musically and with lyrics to uh -huh. capture that so that each time you hear the song, that feeling comes back to you. Now, talk about the recording session of American Pie. You know, before the fame, the alkalides, the royalty checks. Don playing in the studio, laying that track and that vocal down. Paint us that picture. Well, I had a producer that didn't want me to play the guitar and didn't particularly like my singing. <laughs> You're kidding. No. And uh, so he came into the project uh, not quite sure, you know, he liked the idea. 
And I liked a couple of things that I heard him do, and I didn't have a lot of options because I was, you know, just getting started. So we had a rather contentious relationship. Okay. Uh, you know, from contentious, the good that good came out of it, or contentious that it was difficult to perform your best. He was a groove killer. Okay. You know, it doesn't take much to kill a groove with musicians. A producer, in addition to being a musical genius, should also be a very good hand holder and psychologist, and really. Yeah, and be supportive of an artist so that he feels comfortable and he is excited about doing his best work. And this guy was not the guy. Did not give and, it to you. Yeah. No, and I didn't like it. And I'll be quite frank about it. So, you know, there would be moments when some good stuff would happen that I would like, but that was not a pleasant experience. Uh, it was like pulling teeth. Okay. And the first thing that we did was a rehearsal of some of the songs before I had written American Pie. And we were rehearsing some of these songs. And at that point, he did some good things, you know, that uh -huh. I liked. Okay. That would keep me going and say, yeah, that's cool, I like that. Or I feel like I'm making a better record than the one before from a production standpoint and so on. Okay, so you had to make that decision whether you were professionally happy but not personally happy, and you chose yes. that. Yeah. Yes. That's a good observation, and that's correct. Uh-huh. Those are difficult choices to make. I mean, I'm not easy to get along with either. I'm not making you think that I'm, you know, a day of the beat. <laughs> <laughs> and you're willing to admit it, too. Well, I mean, I, I know what I want. Uh-huh. And that's always well, a that's problem. part of being an artist, though. It is. and But, you know, you don't want to be, I don't know. Uh, again, I had uh, thoughts in my head and feelings in my heart that I wanted to get onto vinyl, uh -huh. and I felt like I sometimes wasn't satisfied. But I didn't didn't really blame anybody around me. I kept working with people, you know, trying to get like what I wanted. I finally did. And, you know, when I heard the American Pie album, I was very proud of it, and I okay. thought that you know he had done a good job. And we, in spite of our difficulties, have made a very fine record. Now, do you and think so, that the tension and stress that that caused actually ended up, you know, raising the level of it? Or do you think it turned out well in spite of the tension? I don't know the answer to that. Um, I know I wasn't going to lose. You know, I was going to yeah. win. Uh -huh. I know I was going to get what I was after. Uh -huh. You know, and I didn't care what happened. Because, you know, we, there was a lot of stress because, you know, once I wrote American Pie, the players really didn't understand the song. It was very boring, and they were playing it very badly. I got a lot of looks like, what does this guy think he is? You know, we're New York session musicians. So it's not our fault. The song stinks. You know, we're a great song. Okay, stinks. so how did you handle that? What did you do? Again, I got to give the producer credit. He came up with this uh, gospel piano player, Paul Griffin, and this is how I remember it. Now, I could be wrong, but I remember Paul coming in, and he heard my acoustic guitar, and I was pounding that guitar, because I play rhythm guitar for real. Okay. And he started pumping that piano, man, and everybody jumped right in on the groove that he had created. So that changed after, the whole dynamic right there. Totally. Wow. And so he finished the track, and everybody, you know, was pretty excited. And he said, man, when I heard that acoustic guitar in my headphones, man, I knew just what to do. 
so my guitar playing actually which he didn't want on the record was the thing that transmitted to the piano player what it is I wanted it's such amazing the chain reaction of things that happen that's the reason you know um, musicians are very sensitive people they're sensitive artists they always wanted to get along with people uh -huh. they get along with their colleagues they get along right. with people they're so charming uh -huh. and they're very willing you know to do whatever it takes but if he's a jerk and he says things that, you know, kill a groove or kill a session vibe, it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a very fragile thing. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. You've got to start with good material, and the producer has to be on the same page with the artist. I would have liked to have a heavier drum bass feel on a bunch of other things on the American Pie album. Uh, the production tended to be a little wimpy. It's funny because... I just did a BBC documentary uh -huh. about making of the album, and we went to the studio, Capitol Records, and I brought up the tape, and they opened up all the tapes, you know, all the tracks, and I was there listening to the playback, and they were isolating drums and this and that, you know, uh -huh. and I just kicked the drums up and the bass up, and the damn thing sounded so much better, you know? <laughs> it was just a matter of a week, you know, and it just so much better. Singer-songwriter Don McLean getting real about his music here on the Mulberry Lane Show. When we come back, more with Don. There's always more to talk about. Keep it right here with your radio sisters. We'll be right back. Did you write the book of love and do you have faith in God above? If the Bible tells you so. Close and personal. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, if you just joined us, singer-songwriter Don McLean, who of course wrote the amazing songs American Pie and Starry Starry Night, among many others. He's stopping by your weekend to talk about all things music and songwriting. So let's get back with Don McLean. So now, do you think of yourself, Don, do you think of yourself more as an artist or as a star? Well, I am a rambler. I'm a rambling man. That's what I am. I, I like to see things. And one time, I remember I was with Pete Seeger, and he was such an interesting person. And we were talking about something, and I said, well, you know, I'm no expert. And then he looked at me. He had a way of looking at you with kind of like a scary because, yeah, well, they're not banjo pickers. And I thought, you know, he's right. I travel around. I see stuff. They're in an office someplace, you know. So now, do you think that about you 
makes your lyrics so real and come alive for so many people? The fact that you just experience life. You know, I was a little boy who was sheltered. My mother was very protective of me. Mm -hmm. She didn't want me to get hurt or anything. And my father was not quite like that. Then my father passed away when I was 15, and I was on my own. I really didn't want to leave home. You know, I wasn't comfortable going to college. I didn't like leaving home. Okay. I, you know, I, I'm half Italian. I have cousins that never did leave home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're half Italian. We get that. I went to a job and came home, and their mother cooked to them. You know, and he, uh -huh. my mother didn't cook, so I had to leave home. Uh -huh. But anyway, <laughs> the thing about it is that, you know, the music started to take me out and take me places. Okay. I didn't like traveling and going to strange places. I liked my comfort zone, you know. But I kept pushing myself to do it. What ended up happening, as happens with a lot of performers, is the world to me is just a rich neighborhood. And I enjoy getting on that plane and seeing something new and see the big cities, but I also see what's happened to the small towns, you know, how the big box stores have uh, ruined Main Street and a lot of yeah. these places. Yeah. So you're an That's observer. Amazing. You experience yeah. things. Yeah. Of all these places that you've been and the incredible, you know, performances you've done, do you have a favorite or a most meaningful performance throughout your career? You know, when I succeeded at something, and I, I must say I think I succeeded most of the time, it's just another success. But I remember the failures okay. very well. Interesting. So those made more of an impression on you. Yeah, that was really an interesting <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess when you have enough success, the failure would stand out, whereas most people, yeah. they failed so much, the success stands out. <laughs> Share a story with us, then. I remember it very vividly and very painfully. So the first time I played Carnegie Hall was not a success. Okay. So that's one of the things that stands out. What my, happened? I just didn't communicate with the audience. I was nervous and... Uh, it was an off night. It just was tight, and the audience was packed, you know. So what do you say to yourself after that? Do you just chalk it up to, I was off, or do you get mad at yourself? What do you do? It's very, very painful. Extremely painful. It lingers for a long time. It's like everything else. You're only licked when you quit. Okay. So you get up, and you know, the next year I nailed the audience. I played it again, and I killed it. Okay, so now that next year... Did you build it up in your head and were the stakes really high and was that a difficult performance for you or how did you handle that? Well, I figured I'd already screwed up totally so <laughs> how bad could be. The only way was up, right? And did a good show and they loved it. So that was that. So you and, redeemed uh, yourself. Yeah. And but the thing is if you quit, then you're beat. You mustn't quit. You know, I've always had one goal in mind, which was to be as good an artist as I could be, to learn to do all kinds of new things, and songwriting became a new thing later on. I didn't think I could write songs, but mm -hmm. I learned to sing better, learned to perform better, become more relaxed on stage, you know, take care of your physical appearance, and, well, I mean, without becoming, you know, some sort of a plastic surgery freak, you know, <laughs> and dress well, dress well for the audience. You know, I saw a video of Simon and Garfunkel, and they had the Everly Brothers as the guests on the show. Uh -huh. The Everly Brothers came out, and they had their suits, you know, and their jackets on, and they were, you know, 
professional and Simon and Garfunkel had you like t-shirts and I don't dig that you know I uh-huh. think you should and the audience loved it they loved them and stuff that's the whole way things are now but I just think you know you ought to make some effort to present yeah. yourself to the audience in a respectful way uh-huh. and you've uh, always done that I'm old fashioned yeah yep. old yeah. school if you just joined us, you're listening to singer-songwriter Don McLean here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, your song, And I Love You So, was covered by Elvis Presley, and the Perry Como version of that song got a Grammy nomination, but it was beat out by the song Killing Me Softly with his song, which was inspired by you. So did you count that as a loss or a victory? I would say the whole thing was phenomenal because Perry uh, Como was my my mother's favorite singer, and okay. uh, of course, having a song that's as nice as that song, "Killing You Softly," right. connects me. You know that I'm the young boy in the song. I mean, and I am, according to Lori Lieberman. Now that's a tremendous thing. I mean. <laughs> a beautiful thing you know that will last longer than any award now when you have such a large footprint and a larger than life persona were there ever days when you didn't want to be Don McLean you know I'm used to the ups and downs of life I've had disappointments and I've had uh, some small amount of tragedy not really much I can still jump around and get happy and I get around you know and I uh-huh. see things Mm-hmm. I go around the corner and I see a young lady with no legs, you know. I see some vet who had been blown to hell by some bomb, you know. I see that. Or I see some little child being wheeled around by a concerned mother who's all messed up, you know, and won't ever be normal. I see so much stuff. And so I go back and think, hey, Donnie boy, you know, you got money in the bank, you're healthy, you know, you, you got all kinds of work to do, you know, thank God for that. That's a, now, did that outlook come from your upbringing? Well, my parents were not egotistical. They were uh, low-key people. My father was a guy who, if you had too much money, he didn't think it was classy. That's how people were in the 50s, you know. Oh, wow. If you did well... Maybe you do a little better than the other guy or whatever, and you're living in a nice neighborhood and everything. But if you were really rich, you were gauche, you know? Yeah. That's become the norm now, you know? Mm-hmm. People aspire to be... Uh, gauche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Got to take a quick break. We'll be back to wrap things up with American classic singer-songwriter Don McLean right after this. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on... The Mulberry Lane and Show. I love you so. The people ask me how, how I've lived till now. I tell them I don't know. I guess they understand. Your weekend getaway. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Final segment with American classic singer-songwriter Don McLean. Of course, his song, American Pie, has been inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Let's get back with Don. Now, we have a lot of singers and songwriters and musicians that listen to this show. So if you were to leave them with advice, what would your advice be to the aspiring artist? There's two things that I would say. The first thing... 
would be to know as much about you know good music as you can. Know all your all your music from the the seventies. After the mid eighties, you can quit listening. <laughs> uh, going backwards, let's say even to the nineteen twenties, learn as much as you can about all the different artists and the things they sang and it's all there on youtube so that should be something uh -huh. bob dylan has a radio show and that guy knows so much about music you know uh -huh. and so he knows when he's doing something that's really new because he knows so much of what is out there already right so that's very important and you must fill your mind with good melodies and interesting song ideas first of all and then get yourself a good transactional lawyer <laughs> you know who can tell you you're gonna have to sign something at some point mm -hmm. uh who can tell you in simple language you know what it is you're signing what you're getting and what you're giving away you know because the music business is a very tough business for people who are not savvy about contracts because the idea of the music business is that the artist should pay for everything and the record company should own it, everything. It's, it's a thing where you want to know what it is you're getting into. And don't be afraid to ask for changes. They can always say no. Right. Okay, those are great pieces of advice. And before we let you go, the song American Pie turned 45 years old. So singing that song night after night after night, do you still get new meaning from it what i enjoy is like for example and i love you so the audience loves that song they love crying they love crossroads and of course they love american pie and then they love many other songs that i sing um but those are some little high points that come and go on the show and if you're an artist that needs to always enjoy everything that you're doing otherwise you don't want to do it for the audience and you're not a performer you should stay home you should be tired mm -hmm. because your job is to put all that aside and go out there and never do a performance that isn't the best possible performance you're capable of that night and i always think about joe dimaggio who was old and he was playing baseball and he was still sliding hard into third and running hard to first and digging out there in the outfield and catching those balls and they say why do you work so hard he said, because somebody might be here that never saw me before if i go on that stage i want to do a hell of a good show i want to do the best show i can do you know it's so refreshing hearing this from an icon like you that you appreciate all of the success and you're still going out there and giving it your all that's the only way to fly you know, all right, there's only two ways you can go. You're either moving up or you're heading down. Can you never stay in the center? You always got to be working at heading up. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to be heading down. Well, this has been a truly inspirational interview. And, Don, just want to thank you for your time. And when your next album is out, we would love to have you back. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you. And remember, I was born right on Mulberry Lane. That's so. right. So there is a connection. Definitely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and Don, we'll look forward to talking with you again. Well, thank you, my dear. I'll talk to you someday. Thank All right. You. you know, it doesn't get said any better than that. Don McLean on the Mulberry Lane Show. I met a girl who sang the blues And I asked her for some happy news But she just smiled and turned away I went down to the sacred store 
Where I'd heard the music years before But the man there said the music wouldn't play And in the streets the children screamed The lovers cried and the poets dreamed But not a word was spoken The church bells all were broken And the three men I admire most The Father, Son and the Holy Ghost They caught the last train for the coast The day the music died And they were singing Bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee But the levee was dry And them good old boys Were drinking whiskey and rye Singing this'll be the day that I die This'll be the day that I die That's music icon Don McLean Here on the Mulberry Lane Show Up next, you're going to hang out With Turner Classic movie host Dave Carger. He's going to get you set and ready for the Academy Awards. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. We've got you covered. The Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Okay, guys, are you ready for all things Oscar? 31 days of Oscar airs all throughout February until March 3rd on TCM, and Dave Carger is back to give you the scoop. Now, you know Dave because he covered the Oscars for Entertainment Weekly for 17 years and was the Academy's official red carpet greeter. So if you want to leg up on your office Oscar pool, hear Dave's predictions now, and you're going to look like a movie expert. Welcome, welcome back to the show. Dave Carger. That is a close second to just one breath for my favorite Mulberry <laughs> Lane song. Thank Yay. you. It's great to have you back. Now, everything is all about the Oscars coming up. And let's first talk about 31 Days of Oscar airing on TCM. So what can viewers expect from that series? So I'm super happy to be back hosting this month, 31 Days of Oscar, on Turner Classic Movies. And every day we take one Oscar category, whether it's best song, best visual effects, best actor, best supporting actress, and then all the way up through best picture. And the whole day is movies that either won or were nominated for that award. And it's just Oscar history all in one day and one month. It's so much fun. So now hosting this, have you noticed, are there similarities between the ones that win the same prizes? Is there a trend or theme? Well, I think you'll be interested to know that a lot of the movies that have won Best Picture over the years are musicals, and a lot of them are the ones that we show. So um, American in Paris and My Fair Lady and Oliver, and then other movies that didn't win, like Cabaret, but won Best Director. So there's a lot of great musicals over the month as well. Well, we love that. (laughs) Me too. Now, as the host of the show, how much research do you have to do? Or are you already pretty familiar with a lot of these movies because of what you do? Both. I mean, there's definitely some that I know well and have seen several times and studied, whether it was in school or just through this job. But then there's some that I've never heard of. I mean, I'm showing a movie called The Search, which was Montgomery Cliff's first movie, and I had never seen it. And it was great to kind of research it and read up on it. And now I'm going to get to introduce a lot of movie fans to it as well. So So now what are your predictions for the Oscars this year? Who do you think is going to take home Best Picture? 
Well, my money is on the shape of water, um, but it's not a sure bet. The great thing about the Oscars this year is that it's actually a race for okay. Best Picture. I mean, Lady Bird has a good chance to win Get Out, which was a huge hit from last year. Dunkirk, Three Billboards, Shape of Water. I mean, there's five movies. Any of those could actually win. But I think Shape of Water, which is such a great mashup of science fiction and romance and has 13 nominations more than any other movie, okay. I think that has a great shot to win. Okay, so what do you think gives a movie an edge? over another movie? Well, I find that the Academy really votes with its heart more than its head. If you can make a movie that really has memorable moments that makes these voters, and these are 8,000 people who work in the movie industry who vote on the Oscars, Mm -hmm. if you can make them remember and make them feel something really deep and profound, I think that's how you win. And that's one of the reasons why a movie like Moonlight was able to win last year, because I just think it was such a gritty story and and an emotional story, and, and that's what people responded to. Academy Award expert and Turner Classic movie host Dave Carger is here on the Mulberry Lane Show talking about all things Oscar. Through the years, you've probably developed a sense of where the heartstrings are being tugged. Absolutely, and particularly when I'm watching a movie, I kind of am looking at a performance, and you you need to have that one kind of killer moment. Okay. You know, your character needs to do something or say something or something happened to them that voters can really kind of use as do a you, hook. When you laugh. watch a movie, do you recognize that moment and say, ah, there it is? Totally. Okay. I'm like right there, and I love it. Okay, <laughs> so now, speaking of that, who do you think will win the Best Actor, Actress? award this year? I think for Best Actor, it's pretty much a sure thing for Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, where he plays Winston Churchill. He was so great. The makeup was terrific. Best Actress is a little bit more fluid. I mean, Frances McDormand from Three Billboards has won every award leading up to it, but she even seems to be sick of winning awards. But I think Lady Bird is coming on strong, and Saoirse Ronan, 23 years old, getting her third Oscar nomination at such a young age, I think, has a a slight chance to win. Okay. So now there were some snubs this year, including I, Tanya. What is your take on that? Well, you're right. I, Tanya, did not get nominated for Best Picture, but it did get three nominations for editing, for Best Actress Margot Robbie, and Supporting Actress for Allison Janney. And I do think Allison Janney is going to win for playing her horrendous mother, and it'll be a great moment because she always gives a great speech. Okay. And then Casey Affleck, it just came out that he's going to skip the awards this year. What's your take on that? You know what? That's the right decision. If everything gets going on right now, you know, some of the things that he's been accused of, I just don't think it's right. Yes, it's tradition for the previous year's Best Actor winner to come and give the award to Best Actress, but I think it would distract. I think that's probably the the good move. Uh And then as far as looking down the road, where are we heading with the movies now? Well, I think what's really exciting is that you've seen with movies like Get Out and Lady Bird and Shape of Water, you're seeing a new generation of filmmakers being honored at the Academy Awards. It's not just whatever Steven Spielberg movie, which he's great, but he wasn't nominated this year, and they kind of went a little bit outside the box to nominate some people who don't always get nominated. And I think you're going to see that more and more because the Academy is more diverse. It's younger now. It's still an older group. It's still, by and large, a white male group, but it's getting more diverse. Do you have a favorite movie that you aired as part of this TCM? I'm a huge fan of a movie called The Best Years of Our Lives, which is about three World War II soldiers who come home. It's a movie from 1946, and they're trying to kind of reinsert themselves into their everyday lives from before the war. It won seven Oscars. It's a beautiful film. And it's a war movie, but it's also really a personal movie. And it won Best Picture. And I think that's one that people haven't seen. They should definitely check out. Okay, we will do that. Dave, thank you once again for joining the show. And we'll look forward to our conversation next year. Thanks. Take care. Take care.
Well, that's Dave Carger here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Dave, thanks for sharing your insight into the Academy Awards. We'll be checking you out on 31 Days of Oscar on TCM. And we'll find out if your predictions are spot on. Mm, something tells me they are. Yep. Who else do we need to thank, Allie? Well, we got to thank iconic legend Don McLean. Don, thanks for sharing the behind-the-scenes stories, your wisdom, and your gems of musical advice. This is definitely one for the books. Don McLean at American Icon. We'll meet you here, same time, same place, next weekend. Oh, yeah. We'll be waiting for you and ready to roll out the red carpet with you next weekend. That's right. Be right there, because we'll be right here. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Whisper my name Could you win my question me?